Well, Pastor Kirk, Dad, good to have you back on Talking Church today. Today's topic is multi-site. And we know that both of you have been been on. You've been you've for sure been on the podcast before. Early, I've on. been, I've been, yeah, early on. You don't remember your previous guest? <laughs> it was an incredible. This is your episode. this is your office that we meet in. I think it was on so uh, staff culture. Yep. Most listened to. No, it's no, not true. Fortunately, yeah, it's not true. Any, uh, anyone that you're on is uh, most I don't even know what one is the most. Yeah. Harry's podcast get a lot of listens. We make sure if there's ever he's so smart. Well, he he has a good social media. <laughs> if there's ever following. an episode that starts to outpace one of yours, we just delete it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 Pastor Robs is number one. Yeah. I promise. It's all. <laughs> I'm a dictator. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 perfect score. He got a ten. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Oh, the most listened to for sure. Every time he bowls, he gets a three hundred. <laughs> 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 the pins just fall over. It's well, well, we we'll we'll talk about multi-site today. But and, we're also gonna have fun. But oh yeah, always we have a lot of fun. When the three of us to, are together, we were at a conference the other day, staying up late till like one in the morning, chatting in the hotel lobby, right. and you guys were having dessert and ice <sighs> 1:30. cream and one thirty is what, what it yeah, was cheesecake. Yeah, it was Ooh. good. Yeah, so that's that. When we're together, we have they a lot of fun. Did not have decaf coffee though. We paid it for a, it. Yeah, it was a discount. Yeah. Well. We, yeah. The next morning. <laughs> yeah. Woke up. Tired. Girl, I don't man. even know how to steer the ship on this one, but um, we're gonna get there. M- my goal in this is to talk about multi-site, how we do multi-site. Um, Kirk, you oversee all of our campus pastors, um, obviously dad leading the church, leading all the different um, initiatives that we do. Um, but talking about multi-site, how we do it, how we think about even early on from starting going multi-site, a lot of churches are probably wondering, okay, what what should I do if I want to go multi-site? But I think there's a lot of churches that find themselves with most of them, two or three campuses and trying to figure out how to operate and go to that next level. And for us, you know, it's, it's just launching our ninth campus. And, um, you know, it's, we've learned a lot along the way we've gone from, you know, seven, eight, nine, eight, nine. Um, but, Always, yep. always doing new things. So, so I guess I again, I don't know where to start from here. I got a thought. Great, that's what I do. That's what you do. That's uh, why you're wait, the boss. I want to talk to everybody who's thinking about checking out on this episode because they're like, we're not multi-site. We probably won't go multi-site. Let me tell you, I think you're going to learn something from this. First of all, because I believe you can be multi-site. Even the smallest church can be multi-site. Yeah. You say seriously? Yeah, a church of thirteen people, twelve, thirteen people. You can be multi-site. How? You just go to another community and do another church, and you can be multi-site. You should be a circuit rider preacher. You don't need video to be multi-site. Or you just drive. Like I talked to a guy the other day. He still drives, like in the day of technology, and he has big, bigger campuses. And he drives. He gets in his car and he goes like eighty-five miles an hour, which I don't recommend. He said he gets tickets too. I won't say his name, but and and he drives three campuses, boom, 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 and preaches three different times live. And so my point is, why can't a rural church, even of 13, 20, 40 people, say, I'm going to do this one at 930, I'm going to do this one at 11, and I'm going to do this one at 1. You have three different congregations spaced about 30 to 40 minutes apart. And you so you could be multi-site if you're a small church. So I want to yep. tell you that. And then if it makes sense, be multi-site. Like if you're a church that's growing and there's no more room in your church, if it makes sense, start another campus. Ask for the people in that community to join the new location and to reach their neighbors more effectively by being there. So don't tune out. There is a multi-site option. You might not want to hear it, but there is. And then for those that are leaning into multi-site, mm-hmm. 
grab a hold of it. What what distance between campuses have we seen to be like the closest distance or or first furthest where we would plant a campus? Because some of our campuses are pretty close to each other. What what have we seen about that? Yeah, some people that are multi-site are multi-state or they're hours away. All of our campuses in, in Minnesota so far are within, I think the closest would be 20 minutes? 15, 15. 15 20 minutes. Yep. And then the farthest would be into our rural campus, probably 45 minutes. Um, and so the, it's just, it's kind of like we talked about today in one of our meetings about perimeter. And so currently we're kind of like around the perimeter of the Twin Cities having one urban campus, downtown Minneapolis. So um, I don't know, I don't know what is best, what, what has worked and what has not worked for us. I mean, we had Burnsville, uh, which if you're listening to this and you don't know the context of Minnesota, that doesn't make sense to you. But it was like right between two of our larger locations, which then uh, we closed down because it was just it was just too close and it right. didn't make sense. So what makes sense for you when you think about where are we going to start campuses? I, I mean, people ask me all the time, how close can they be and how far from your campuses? And I say north to south, hour and 15 minutes. All of our campuses are there. Now, with Maple Grove, now that's not the case. Yeah. It's going to be maybe an hour and 25 minutes. So an hour and 25 minutes from north to south, and then from east to west is about an hour and 15 minutes. So within that zone, we have nine locations, and it's just kind of fascinating to think about that, that they're in there. Now, I would say 20 minutes away, yeah used to be that people used to say, a church that's alive is worth the drive, you know? And <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That was back when they tried nice. to convince people to drive an hour, hour and a half. A church that's alive Got is it. worth the drive. You didn't have online. You, don't, you know what I'm saying? Well, now it's like, no, I don't want to drive that far. And it's rivers and freeways divide into, and mountains, rivers, freeways, mountains, lakes, those type of things. Like, look at Seattle. Yep. Seattle's a city that was built for multi-site because people live in their zone and they're like, I don't want to go over that mountain. I don't want to go over that lake. And But every city usually has a river running through it because that's why it was founded there. And so rivers and freeways and mountains, those things. Rivers and valleys? River, river valley. valley. There you go. We're in the oh, Minnesota okay. River Valley originally. But um, well, you encouraged. Sorry to interrupt. You you encouraged, um, and I, maybe we would do it someday. But our the the campus that is a lake community, Minnetrista campus. You said why not just why not start like a pop up service in a community center on the other side of the lake. It's a larger lake, and the community that's on the other side of the lake is not driving right now, based on the data we see, driving around the lake to come to church or driving their jet skis across the lake to church. Yeah. So the same campus staff can run a service on a Sunday night when we don't have church service in a different yeah. community at a community center. Why not give it a, a try? We've actually thought about our Apple Valley team someday starting something maybe in Rochester on a Sunday night, rent out a venue, you know, and those are just examples of things that have been thought about, prayed about, what's the right time? Are we going to do it? Are we not? But you don't even have to add a bunch of staff to go make something happen you can run your current staff i think uh, is it life church that says like their staff one singular campus staff can run seven or eight services on a weekend and mm -hmm. we're not doing that so there's right. there's more that could be done yeah so but, yeah even on the other side of the lake yeah it's not as bad as like 
Jew and Samaritan, you know, like, yeah. you know, but it's like, no, we don't go that way. We don't go over that way. We don't go to that city. Yeah. I know people that are like, no, we don't go there because we're this city. And they even like, I was out East in New Jersey and they're like, no, 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 no. Those people on that side of the freeway, we don't mix with those side. You know, I'm like, really? Literally like the freeway? We were talking the other day about a neighborhood in Minneapolis. Bryn Mawr. And you said the economics of that yep. one was so high and yep. right across the railroad tracks, totally different world. Yep. We were talking with an inner city pastor yep. that is uh, launching a church and he's in a tougher to reach neighborhood. And he said the household income, average household income, I think was under 30,000. Yeah. In the neighborhood blocks, I mean, blocks away, separated by a train track, the the ethnic uh, uh, demographic is different, and the household income was like $80,000. 80, and so you're talking about within blocks of each other. And so he's actually trying to bridge that divide, saying, like, let's figure out a way to unify across the train tracks. But yeah, people don't drive across train tracks, apparently. So, and people don't drive to church as far as they used to. And they love their community. And the beauty of multi-site is people love where they live. I didn't realize this until just you told me this the other day. Um, you had just gone to one of our other campuses for the first time on a Sunday. Yep. And here you are over the campuses, and it was your first time there. And I'm thinking like everybody goes to all the campuses like I do. No, nope. they're in their campus. Well, think about the people in the congregation. They're like, I don't want to drive to Apple Valley. I'm in Minnetrista. Just put something, have the men's night in Minnetrista, and I'll go to it. I don't care if there's 40 people here. I don't want to drive to Apple Valley. Yeah. And so multi-site works because it makes sense in the community, and the distance is big enough. I don't know if I put one right across the street, but I would put it at a distance that makes sense or a community line that makes sense. Like, we're these people, and that's who we are. We don't go Well, have there. you ever seen, like, Starbucks where they literally have them, like, across right the across street. the street from each other? And New you're York like, City. What? That doesn't... Well, yeah, New York. But even in, like, suburbs, it's like, why does that make sense? Well, yeah. they've discovered and figured out the reasons as to why that is. I actually think, too, when you think about from a ministry standpoint... We've gotten to the idea, and, and I think this is has passed partly due to just church attendance going down, but like you said, you know, church that's alive is worth the drive. It's funny, but we bigger is that. better. Bigger is better has kind of been a mantra for a while, and I think people are starting to challenge that. Not that I think we would say growth is better, but bigger isn't always necessarily better when you think about like... Uh, we should have a 10,000-seat auditorium, or we should have a, you know, a church that everyone drives two hours, which is funny. Some parts of the country use, say, oh, it's 15 miles. Other parts of the country use minutes. And so obviously Minnesota, right. we use minutes to determine, don't have very bad traffic. But but if, have you seen that to be true? When, when you think about people in the community, you said they love their community. The kids at school can invite their friends. Hey, come to mm -hmm. youth group. It's, it's in the community. Come to my church. It's in the community versus even a community or two over. It's all that. They love the church. I mean, I even saw that growing up for, for a campus. It was 15 minutes from where we lived. And mm -hmm. people yes. were like, really? Apple Valley? If Why I would could, I go there? If I could do it over, I probably would have bought our house in Apple Valley and not Lakeville. Mm -hmm. And maybe it was good for you to not be in the fishbowl of like all the kids from school that in church. But when you say would say to me, yeah, our friends were 15 minutes away or 12 minutes away. They won't even come over to Apple Valley. People have a tendency to live in their traffic pattern. Yeah. And one thing they do is they drive in, but not out. 
people from Lakeville, like, and if you don't know where that is, that's an outer ring suburb, yep. will drive into Apple Valley or Egan, but Egan doesn't drive out to Lakeville. People in Lakeville will drive up to or into Edina and go shopping there, but people in Edina don't drive to Lakeville or Apple Valley. They're like, that's where the zoo is. It's the the inward traffic pattern makes sense. The out doesn't. And I people say, what campus should we go to? And I all say, what ones would your neighbors go to? Mm-hmm. Pick from those. Like if your neighbors would go to that one or that one, pick one of those two campuses and be a part of them. Don't be so far away. And we do look at that. We, we look at who who currently attends our church when we talk about new campuses to potentially start, who currently attends our church that's driving beyond that normal 15 or 20 minutes, that's driving across the river or the highway, they're crossing the high, major highway or, you know, in some context, the train tracks. And and you've had conversations with those people that are like, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm thinking about going to that new, you know, where we, by the time this podcast is out, Maple Grove may have already been yeah, launched. Yeah, will be. And so we just launched brand new uh, location, and there are people that are a part of that new campus that were praying about whether or not they should be a part of it. And the response from Pastor Rob is, well, which campus are your neighbors going to go to? Your next door neighbors. Like, yeah. you've thought about inviting your neighbors to church, right? Like. That that's crossed your mind. Well, they're not going to drive thirty minutes, just like you are, just because you love the kids' ministry there. Well, we're going to have a great kids' ministry down the street from your neighborhood, um, and so at, you know, talking to pastors and churches that are thinking about, well, maybe we'll we're, we're going to go multi-site or we're going to add another campus. That language of where your neighbors are going to go, where 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 yeah. would your neighbors go that are not yet saved? We've talked a lot about the people in the communities, which I think is a huge part, maybe the most important part of deciding on multi-site. But when you think about the actual logistical realities of multi-site, that you're managing twice as many staff, twice as many people, twice as many wins, twice as many problems, as a pastor who is expanding, maybe they're in, in campus number two, campus number three, or they're in the process of launching, what are some things you guys have learned about leading teams through multi-site when, I mean, you're talking, you hadn't been to that campus before. We have staff that they, they aren't at the, a lot of times people call it the main campus for a while. That's I like the, main the original. That's sure. a much better word than main. Yeah, we use it broadcast makes the other now. ones say, feel secondary. Yeah. But what, what are some things you've seen in, in how to manage people to where the culture, I mean, we did our podcast on staff culture, is still being communicated staff meeting obviously for some they can still come together if there's a if they're 30 minutes away from each other they can still mm-hmm. come together and meet every week for staff but what are some things that we've been able to stay connected as a team while we start ministering in different cities i think about this that multi-site is it gets harder by multiplication so it's like you have one campus and then you had a second one it's two times as hard. And then you add a third one, it's now not three times as hard, it's six times as hard. You had a fourth campus, it's now 24 times as hard. You had a fifth, it's now, you know, 96 times. It, it feels like that. And then as far as communication, now with more campuses, the ease of doing it, actually, it gets easier. It's like the economies of scale kick in. And so somebody that might have one other campus, you just have two campuses, you're like, this is really hard. You're living in the downside of it. If you get to four of them and you can handle it, you you know what's going to happen. You have to think differently. So we've had to work way harder at communication. We've had to trust each other more. And I don't know. I, I don't know how many times people say like, I didn't know that. You're like, it's okay. 
get over it. We still love you. Like, yeah, yeah. You didn't know it, but we love you. you yeah. Know? No, I, I think at the campuses, there there are playbooks to run, and there's also freedom for them to operate in their giftings and their uniqueness. When you go to each one of our campuses, and when you say, like, I went to the – it was my first time going to weekend services. I've yeah, been yeah, in the not, building. Yes. I know the team uh, and understand the dynamics of the campus and their staff. But right. still, when you go to other campuses, it's going to feel like River Valley. You're going to know it's River Valley uh, by many, many, many things beyond just the sign on the outside of the building. But you're also going to sense the uniqueness of that campus pastor or that campus uh, staff uh, and even the congregation, the dynamics of city versus rural. Um, I would say uh, it's it's understanding the framework of how we operate centrally versus campuses, not central versus campus, but there, there's a different role when you're a central department head than you are as a campus youth pastor or campus worship pastor or even a campus pastor. Um, the central roles, you are the playbook writers. We try to empower the playbook writers centrally to write a playbook for how the campuses should should run that play, um, and we we are working on the dynamic of making sure that campus voices are having an opportunity to give their input to the play, and the play is not the play forever, but it's it's constantly being, um, there's iterations of the play. What's the next season look like? What are we doing in this next phase of church? And I think organizationally as well, some, sometimes the dynamic uh, is, well, we're adding a campus, we're, we're, we're doing this next thing, we're going from uh, six locations to nine. What, is, what does the organization need to look like to be able to digest that? And I think... Um, we're, I think we are getting better at this, actually, because now we're to the scale where uh, there's always staffing stuff happening. There's always changes happening. And so instead of just getting ready, buckling up for the every two or three year reorg, major reorg, which still happens, we actually think more in iterations. Like, well, for this next season, we'll run here. For this next season, we'll organize here. For this next season, will you carry this? We're, that we're asking people, uh, you know, for this next season, can you operate in a dual role? Um, and then it might swing back. Hey, for the next season, now you're going to be fully committed and focused to this. So um, basically what I'm saying is getting good with iterations of playbooks, understanding who writes the playbook, who's who executes the playbook, and also iterations of staffing and organization so that it's not like people buckling up for like, man, this place is never the same. It's like, no, we're just – we have to stay agile in – how we run what is River Valley. I don't know if I'm making sense, but... You know, it made me think of something that uh, I remember I was talking with John Maxwell, and I was saying, it feels like we're reorging all the time, and we got to change things every couple of years. And he goes, are you growing? And I'm like, yeah, we're growing like crazy. He goes, well, that's good. He goes, every time you grow by 50 to 100%, you got to reorg. And I'm like, yeah. really? I, I felt good yeah. about it. Like, oh, okay, so we've got to do that. But... I go back to, like, there's so much on multi-site. I think about what type of multi-site are you going to be? Are you going to be command and control? It all comes from central, and you just want people to run the play. Are you going to be freelance where it's shared vision but uh, owned expression and every campus is different? Or is it going to be like our model is a hybrid? Yeah, It really is. It truly is half of the command and control and half of, you know, individual expression. And you know, our campus yeah, pastor doesn't mean we suggest that either. I think no, it you got to do what works for you. Who the leader is, you know, because yeah. you look at like you, you kind of alluded like Life Church has a, a like their campus control. Yeah, exactly. And and then you have um, like a C three model that would be a little bit more independent. Yep. Um, so it's but, which really, is almost operates more like a denomination. Yeah, yeah. So it's really finding where you as a lead pastor are going to have your gifts and really where other people can flourish well because you you have like that attitude of you want things. 
a certain way, but not to the detriment of like staff feeling like you're like, like you very rarely are you like, this is exactly how things want to be. But on the other side, you want things to be excellent. So if something is amazing and you didn't know about it, you're like, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. But if something is horrible and you didn't know about it, it's like, that it's was a risk. Horrible. That was a risk <laughs> that you took that you shouldn't have. And we are a hybrid truly because people will ask, are you video venue multi-site? And we'll say, yeah, yeah, we are. Uh, you know, Pastor Rob broadcasts to the house. Uh, and then the next question is, well, how often do your campus pastors preach? And then we'll say something like, like 10 times a year, like, almost once a month, and they'll be like, whoa, you know, because yeah. they're they coming from a video venue multi-site church where the campus pastors Zero. never yeah. preach, you know, yeah. so we are in that hybrid space, I think, um, and and for us, it works well, and I think that, that you, obviously, you love leading that way. It's, it's trying to give maximum empowerment and trust to the locations and to the campuses, campus pastors, yep. while also having a unified vision and lead voice to you, you are the lead pastor and lead communicator for our church. What have been some breakthroughs in communication on multi-site in the way we communicate with campuses? And, and I'm kind of teeing you up a little bit for all staff, but we do all staff once a month with every one of our campuses. Yep. I think we've talked about it. I'm sure we've talked about it before on the podcast, but Talk about the importance of that and even the cadence of that, if there's any communication tools that you've seen that have helped yep. to make that work better, even how frequent you talk with campus pastors, Kirk. Just some of the more practical sides of how we keep that connectivity and communication flowing. I'll start with all staff, and then you can go yep. on the other. But, I mean, all staff is like the big family reunion, and I never miss it. And if we're going to keep continuity uh, in multi-site, I can't miss it. And so it even moves dates, like it's on the first Tuesday or the third Thursday, or, you know, it moves around based on my travel schedule because I'm not missing it. And so that helps us reconnect again. COVID was terrible mm -hmm. when we couldn't meet together. And remember, we did it online, and then we even did, like, we got everybody together in one room. Remember yep. that? We had that giant separate <laughs> we, you know, we area had a in the middle, like 30 feet in the middle. Contingency plan. Yeah, it was a contingency in case they caught it, they didn't get exposed to it. I mean, it was like it didn't major. didn't work very well. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it, it, we all long to be together, and yes. that's a secret of what has happened, that coming together and then going to do your own thing, and then coming together and going to do your own thing. That's been huge. Um, and then I was going to say, like, I think, Slack has helped. Yeah, oh, big time. Like, I was going to say, we big it, time. Yeah, we launched it at the very beginning the, of the COVID. communication tool Slack. I know some people use Microsoft Teams, but Slack. When we went from off of email to using Slack and even text, I mean, it, we text a lot less. We text oh, relationally, yeah. but now Slack is where I the work still am on. stuck in text, and I'm like, oh, I gotta check my Slack. Oh no, <laughs> no, no, listen, every, it's like old school for the you know? majority of the organization. Though I will say, it's that, awesome. That Everybody's happy to accommodate. Yeah, it's all Slack. <laughs> that moving, moving to that because it was the blend of people wanted to text, but they also wanted email. And I, I think these instant messaging tools. If you haven't looked at that for your team, if your team is more than you know four or five people, I. But you, you can have volunteers on it. Yeah. Like I really think that instant so messaging good. tool is a. This isn't a promotion for Slack, but it's. Well, we're bummed out. We we want them to give us a nonprofit rate, and no. they won't do it for churches. No, I'm like seriously. Yeah, I don't think it's, they like it's churches. expensive, no doubt. I and I know our like CFO us. would say that we should use something else, but but truly, I smoke think, signals. Yeah, <laughs> smoke. <laughs> yeah, carrier pigeons. 
It's a great it's tool. A different way to do it. And uh, what else has worked? Yeah, so I think uh, you guys have talked about development, but I, I'm thinking about the cross pollination that happens for our staff. Our campus staff they have a staff meeting every Tuesday, and so there's team building. There's we try to uh, I think ideally would love to model every week's staff meeting like a an all staff, but for your campus staff. So there's leadership development, there's prayer, sometimes there's worship, uh, and then you do some of the agenda items of calendaring coming up for the campus. But every week there's this infusion of good culture. Uh, so that's at the campus's department meetings would happen centrally as well. But can yeah, you, go ahead. Can you expand on that a little bit? Because I, I know you've kind of pushed some of our campus pastors to make that shift over the years and you've led that way. But I see a lot of churches and talk to a lot of pastors that still, that's not at all how they do it. They are very agenda items. Yeah. Be here with the second, you know, the time shows up. We're not doing food. We're not doing lunch. This is staff meeting to plan the weekend service. Yeah. And we've actually shifted away from that. And I mean, there's some agenda, but really yeah. there are other meetings, weekend service planning meetings, yep. other meetings that are focused to that. Because all of a sudden you're the kids pastor and you're going there. They just spent 45 minutes back and forth about what songs we're going to sing or back and forth about the communion moment. So and I'm true. here as a kids pastor and I don't even care because we're doing our own yeah. thing. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And a call back to the last podcast that we did together about culture. We did talk a little bit about it in, in saying staff meetings should not be, uh, <laughs> it's not promotion for me. I'm just saying <laughs> yeah. we, we did talk about it. It is there, but not. Listen to the crisis video, no yeah. podcast, yeah, crisis podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't plan your weekend services in staff meeting. Like Correct. it's the I most agree. boring thing of all time. And it's like, uh, it just feels like waste time. I lived you, it for six years, by yeah, the way, yeah, six yeah. years. As a youth pastor at churches, and you'd sit there, oh, stop, just serve everybody, give me again. You know? Yeah, like we're yeah we're still doing juice and crackers, perfect. Yeah, that's great. Um, like we don't need to figure out all together what songs are we singing, what world are we living in. And like that's that's you did that thirty years ago maybe, but now it is it. I, I view staff meeting all staff first and foremost once a month with with Pastor Rob, but then every campus staff meeting that's meeting it is this is your culture moment, this is your heart moment, this is your pastoral and prophetic moment, this is your development moment with your team. Let it be the best version of what our church is together as a team. And if it, if it's not, if it's the worst part of everybody's week. Everything flows out of that. So it, it only gets worse from there. So um, let that be the best part of your week and and put intentional time. I remember we went to something with uh, Craig Rochelle, a roundtable, uh, and he, and he mm -hmm. said, I put the most out of anything I do in regards to teaching and sermon writing and planning, I put the most time in to the all staff teaching that I do. And so he, he, he sees that as the most important thing I do is not even the weekend message as important as that is it's what i what i'm pouring into the staff and everything flows from there so uh, that's a little bit about it don't let it be your planning meeting you can have a pre-service or a pre-weekend production meeting with your team that makes sense but let let it be the most life-giving part of your work week Does i that don't know if you've ever had a staff meeting like that like we used to do staff when i was at other churches and it really was. We'd start out, all right, man, that was terrible. These things went bad. It's church. Don't this, let that this family was gone. And this and yeah. this. Did you see what that usher did? And well, who picked those songs? And and it was just like a vent on all the bad things. And you're just like, so you'd start out totally depressed. 
And then you'd get to like, all right, what are we going to do? Well, this is going to work. Is that going to work? And it was just like a big to-do list. And you left there and you're like, I hate this meeting. I hate everything about it. So, but we're not talking about staff meetings. We're talking about multi-site, which yeah. is so much more fun. Yes, but no, but I think they're so so key to multi-site is to having good staff meetings that are time, I mean, the right amount of time and teams allowing them to lead. You know, I, I think we could talk a lot about this. I know we got to land the plane here eventually, but um, what would you say for, you know, Kirk, you've been a campus pastor for, you know, many years. Um, leading a campus, but also leading the the campus pastors, you've you know hired a number of them. What would you say is the primary responsibility of a campus pastor? Where you'd say you're you're preaching on video. Yes, they're preaching you know mm -hmm. six to ten times a year. But what when you would think about campus pastor, if somebody's starting a campus, having a multi site, it's not an executive pastor. It's a different yeah, kind yeah. of title. What would you say is this is what a great campus pastor should look like? That's a great thing, because we started out with, oh, you can be a campus pastor. You're the youth pastor. You don't do anything on Sunday. You know, why don't you run a campus and be the youth pastor? You know, I mean, it didn't work. And so it was kind of like, basically, the idea started out with, just just run the service. Just don't mess it up. You know? No, really. That kind of was beginning. And then it was like, no, no, that's not going to work. It's not don't mess it up. And then it was like, okay, run minister to the people it became like become their personal chaplain and then i was like no that's not gonna work and then it moved into like okay lead this campus and then it was like okay that's getting closer and then it was like be a great leader that understands what god is doing and do it in this local congregation as yeah. part of a bigger team and it started from like anybody can do it you know like just sure you can do it put the intern in there they're a campus pastor and now it's like no you don't understand there's an art there's a leadership yep. that comes with it you're you're like no they've got to be good to be a campus pastor and so to me really really it, it's it's increased a ton you know and i look they've back gotta I, be good to be a campus pastor <laughs> well, you that was do. just funny to me yeah because it, it, it was, it literally was in the beginning. It was like, throw anybody in there. It's fine. It's multi-site. It works. Put them on the screen. Craig Rochelle does it. We'll all do it. And then you realize, no, you have to be a pastor. You yeah. have to be, there's a calling. There's a, an, a leadership. There's a a growth. There, People are looking at you like, I love the vision of this church, but will I follow you as my campus pastor? That's like, you know, mm -hmm. are you going to take me anywhere? So yeah. Yeah. It, it changed. Kirk, yeah, I, I would say uh, I agree with everything that you just said, Pastor Rob. They the the number one most important thing for for me, as I see it, would be that they fully embody the culture of our church, and they're able to uh, communicate in an authentic, natural way what is the vision of our church, and so not just the vision bullseye of five hundred, but talking about uh, talking through all of our values that they fully embody the culture and the values. That's the best way to say it. Um, and they're able to they're they're uh, to develop leaders. So they're not just I, I'm a great presenter leader. Uh, although that matters, is they can actually develop and pour into staff. There are people that replace themselves. So every time they're given a platform, how can they raise mm -hmm. up other people to step onto those platforms? That's like some of that's delegation and empowerment. But doing that in a really uh, natural and not not mechanical, robotic way. Um, as well as truly, I think this is like it can't be understated that they really 
really, really, really love their people. Mm-hmm. So not like they're as possessive, but there's like I've been asked to steward these people. Like yeah. this is the flock that's been empowered to me by Pastor Rob and by God. I love these people. I love this community. I don't want to be somewhere else. I'm not. This is not a stepping stone thing. This is not just a ladder climbing thing. This isn't like I'll do this for two years if I can then get to central to do some central. Like it's like no, you love these people, and if God takes you somewhere else, great. But you gotta love the people, and obviously, you know, with one of our campus pastors just going to be with Jesus uh, and losing you, you you pastored through that moment. I know you guys have a podcast that explained a little bit about that, Uh, but you you were able to say truthfully like hey uh i like i love you as a lead pastor from a distance right but you had a campus pastor that knew your name and knew right. your children's names yeah and that loved you deeply and i think that that is huge for a campus pastor to truly embody the the values and the culture of our church but to really love the people huge yeah, skill so set and i forget what island it is in paris but notre dame is on this little island I want to say Saint Louis, but I, I I'm not sure. But it's on an island in Paris, and and my thing is like the campus pastor is that island, and the lead pastors on one embankment, and the congregations on the other embankment, and it's like you you have to love the vision and the leader that you're following and love the people that you're ministering to and you're going back and forth between the two of them and you can't be like forget the lead guy or, or lady sure. yeah, I, yeah. I love the people only and you got to be on the vision so i think a important yep. thing is the campus pastor loves the vision yeah then wants to follow the leader and then wants to love the people yeah and it's that island spot and you're going back and forth back and forth back and forth so it's a unique calling. Yeah, it's true. No, that's that's. I think that sums it up really well. And um, I would just ma- make a plug for conference that I, we'll talk more about this at conference oh, yeah. too. We usually have breakout I feel sessions. Like we, on it's barely scratched the surface. I know. So. I w- if if you're interested, for those listening, um, we've thought about doing an event called. We do generosity accelerators all over the country. You know, we pr- we've been promoting those. We've thought about doing a multi site accelerator. So if you're interested yeah. in that, you know, definitely be uh, send us an email. Say, hey, I'd be interested. Would love to join that. But conference. June 6th and 7th. We'll talk about it. I know Chris Hodges will be there. He, he has a lot to say about multi-site, um, but we'll, we'll most likely have some breakout session or something around there. So want to make sure if you have more questions, we want to make sure we're answering them. Um, but conference would be a great place to come. And all of our team is going to be there to ask questions or to answer questions. And I'm sure we'll have breakouts where questions can be answered about it. So, yeah. Um, but we, we scratched the surface. I'm glad we did it. And, barely. Uh, yeah, Ooh, man, barely. Barely. We solved all multi-site problems, but uh, thanks for, for talking this through and and uh, I know there'll be more to come, so. Our privilege. (laughs) Our privilege. Great.